Welcome to another edition of Practical Reliability, insights on the practical implementation of holistic reliability, brought to you by Reliability X, the DNA of success. All right, welcome to Practical Reliability, brought to you by Reliability X. I'm George Williams, and with me is Joe Anderson. And today's topic of discussion is around uh, planning and estimating jobs in terms of uh, the job plan estimate itself. So uh, what do we want to talk about, Joe? Well, let's first talk about how accurate the estimation needs to be. How about that? Uh, so by definition, it's an estimate. Yes. So how so accurate? So you estimate your eight hours of break time. Oh. And every one of us planned. <laughs> I estimate this job's probably going to almost get done. Yes. So we got to estimate. Yes. And you add a couple hours for coffee, a um, couple hours for donuts. I always add a, don't forget to get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, go to lunch. Yes. <laughs> the pre-break for the pre-break. <laughs> so, so seriously, though, um, in estimating the job, um, how accurate and, and why, what's the accuracy for? The accuracy is to understand um, how long it, how long it truly takes to do the not truly takes to do the job, but how long uh, on average does it take someone to do the job? The reason for that is uh, for your on the planning side to understand how many man hours you have, um, and so it tells you how much work you can plan to. Um, based on those number of man hours. So the goal is to get as close as you can, um, but it doesn't have to be an exact science either. Yeah, I always see two reasons for the estimate. One is so you have an understanding of your backlog, right? So if if you have a bunch of work, if there's 400 work orders in your backlog and you don't have zero estimates, how do you know how many folks you need uh, from a staffing perspective? So the estimate gives you uh, a a more accurate uh, backlog a ready backlog anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of other work orders that may be of, of emergencies that don't really have an estimate on them. But uh, in terms of ready backlog, once the planner has reviewed and, and put some type of hourly estimate on it, it gives you a better idea of how much staffing you need or how many crew weeks of backlog you have. And then the other part is it transitions over to the scheduling side. So the scheduler is going to take the schedule and look at how much manpower availability I have and start loading work orders into the schedule until that number drops down to a zero, right? I got 400 man hours in my 10 man crew. I start adding my work orders and those estimates are subtracting from that 400 number. And the scheduler knows that the schedule's full once they get down to a goose egg. So sure. uh, once it's zero, uh, they're done scheduling for the week. So you know, it needs to have some level of accuracy, but uh, the true reason for it is really just an understanding of backlog and an understanding of how much work I can schedule. It's not really going to dictate how long the technician takes. Um, and from a planning perspective, um, in man hours as well, the goal of the planner anyway is to hand out buckets of work in weeks at a time where, you know, your scheduler is doing it daily. So... It gives you an idea by week how many man hours you have and, and how much of a backlog you truly have um, so that each week you can be handing that off to the scheduler for scheduling. So you, you brought up an interesting point about the scheduling, saying that it's the scheduler doing it daily. But what the planner's submitting in a 
the week's worth of work, is that also a schedule, just not down to the daily level? Um, yes and no. It's just handing them a bucket of uh, a week's worth of man hours of work. Um, and that's part of your forecasting. Right? So um, any of the PMs that are coming up due are already there. Um, it's basically just filling in. Uh, the number of man hours you're not actually scheduling to a day or to a technician. To a technician, you're just saying. Um, so we have out of 400 hours, maybe 200 of those hours are PMs. So I can fill in another 200 hours of work orders um, to do there, and then that bucket goes to the scheduler, and then it's on the scheduler um, or supervisors, depending on how you do it, too to uh, distribute that bucket. So it's an interesting conversation. We've both had have had some level of success in planning and scheduling, and I'm used to scheduling a week of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still used to it not being to the technician. It's still to a supervisor. It is the bucket of sure. work I hand for the week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the scheduler function is still making phone calls and making sure we can get the asset or get the piece of equipment during that week or on Thursday or sure. whatever it may be. And when we hand out that bucket of work for the week, we say this one has to get done on Thursday, right? Because right. we've already coordinated Yeah, it. that's what I'm talking about yeah. when I'm talking about scheduling to the day. It doesn't mean that the scheduling takes place that day. Right. But we're breaking it down to Monday. This These assets are available. These right. are, are the work that can be done. The planner's not doing any of that. Right. They're just saying, here is a, a week's yeah. worth of work and yeah. handing that bucket over. And from right. there, uh, the scheduler does that or supervisors. It kind of depends on how you're set up. Right. Um, so as you and I talked uh, last night um, at a place I worked at before, it was, I had no supervision on, on nights. We ran one supervisor and myself, and it was always day shift. We had no supervision in the entire plant at night. Um, technicians ran everything. And so when you have a situation like that, it's not going to be your supervisor <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scheduling up the work. Right. Normally, the scheduler's working with uh, the leads on that shift to right, be able to right. handle that work. So it just kind of depends on how your hierarchy set up. So, so I'm a planner. I'm, I have to do an estimate on this job. Where do where where do I start in terms of figuring out how long it's going to take and what's what what do I need? Well, first thing, if uh, you have the right planner, they've probably already done the job themselves, uh, so they can rely on their own uh, expertise as far as them doing the job themselves. And what are the pros and cons to this job? Right. Sometimes I get stuck in an area that could cost me an extra hour and sometimes everything goes well and I get it done an hour earlier so you kind of take an average in your head if it was five hours the first time I did this job and seven hours the second I might estimate it at six. Um, If I don't have that expertise or I want to get other people's input I would go to the technicians themselves and say hey if I change this bearing how long does it normally take you to change it if you have all the parts and everything you need. so you can use that as well. Third, there really isn't one. You just pull a number out of the air. <laughs> but uh, if you do that, you just you How do you deal with anyway. variation? How do you deal with the variation, right? So you, you give one technician a job that you've estimated for two hours. They get it done in two hours. You get somebody else the job. It takes four hours. You give somebody else the job. It takes one hour. How do you determine what the right level of accuracy is and how do you derive that when there's so much variation in the field 
especially, you know, there's, um, and I've had this scenario before where, you, you know, you have uh, different tiers of technicians, mm-hmm. or whether it's union or non-union, you have a basic technician and advanced technician, and you're not the one handing it to the individual. So it may be a basic job that you end up handing to an advanced technician, which means, you know, it's taken three times longer. So how do you deal with that? Um Again, it depends. Um, it's a depends answer, not not the greatest answer in the world. But um, spot checking audits to understand, uh, okay, this guy that did it in an hour, if I give this job to him again or one similar, maybe he knows something that we don't and that isn't captured in the plan. Um, or maybe he's cutting corners. And it, so it's a quality check as to the work because... If I have, uh, if I'm just starting out with the plan, there's a possibility you're going to have that variation. But as I mature, uh, your estimates should come down and streamline. So it just kind of depends on the scenario. Knowing if I gave it to one of my mechanics that I don't trust and he gets it done in an hour versus giving it to a guy that always does the job right and gets it done in an hour. Uh, two completely different scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and then I could have one of my best mechanics, and it took him four hours, and it might be legitimate. Maybe. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I was following the job plan, but as I was going through, I ran into this issue here that we've never seen before, and I knew that if I didn't replace this part, this machine wasn't going to run. Yeah. It was a showstopper or something. Well, those are one-offs, and you don't want to throw those into your estimation i so. did a pump rebuild once had a brass sleeve over the shaft <laughs> nothing was seized on there man i was heating that thing and cooling the shaft i was it took me like four hours to get this brass sleeve on. <laughs> so you, you're right there's yeah. there's variation in how complex the job is how difficult it's going to be based on some things and so i think that's why it's important that it's just an estimate mm-hmm. and and one of the other scenarios i had in the past was we had multiple sites uh, some union, some non-union, some internal labor, some external labor, um, and there was great variation. We did a study on work based on some keywords like uh, uh, clog toilet. Let's just pick a simple one. Mm-hmm. How long? What was the average time to unclog a toilet? You know, at each of the sites, or how long did it take to fix a pump, a centrifugal pump, or do a pump rebuild mm-hmm. um, at those sites? And the variation we had in those averages was dramatic. And, and I used to measure planners based on the accuracy of that estimate, and that was just a really disastrous way to go. It's just too much fluctuation. So, and you can't control circumstances. So I would say, you know, in talking to a planner that may be listening, that don't get bent over it, right? Yeah. Like, like, don't right. get frustrated over it. Yeah. Don't let your manager pressure you about it. It's, you know, it's, it's an estimate. Mm-hmm. Do the best you can. Adjust as you go. But it's still just an estimate at the end of the day. If you estimate two hours and it takes the guy two hours, I would probably question that as well. Well, that uh, means you oh, you overestimated. It took him 15 minutes and he and wrote he two hours. A, he took <laughs> an hour and 45-minute break, right? Well, but hey, is that yeah. uncommon? I don't think that's uncommon in the industry, No, it's right? not. But those are the, the watch-outs and, and trying to streamline your estimates to make sure they're they fit more accurately yeah um but again i could cut corners and take an hour break too so you've got a quality check and spot check some of these things and and get feedback yeah 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 um you know what are your frustrations with it did i miss any steps you know because if i have to add steps my estimation needs to go up and, and maybe it could be a major thing that we missed or you know so there's a lot of of uh 
circumstances and details behind so it. So now we have an hourly estimate. What about like craft quantities? Like, how do you know a one man job versus a two man job? Again, it's uh, could be a lot of the same. I'm coming from experience, right? Um, it could be that if I put two people on it, it could take me longer um, because this we're working on top of each other, right? Yeah. Versus. Um, I need two people because of the size of the job or the size of the component I'm, I'm working on or replacing. Um, could be a 500-horse motor uh, where one man... Is, Just ain't cutting it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you might meet one, but I haven't yet. <laughs> um, so there's a certain level of common sense and a certain level of experience that comes with um, craft quantities and understanding how many people I need. Um, also, if you do a thorough walkdown of the job um, and you do it correctly, you're going to understand uh, how many people. How do you deal with the Noah's Ark syndrome? So we, we used to run numbers on how many times a planner said it was a one-man job, but two men had actual time on it. So yeah. a lot of times in, in the technical staff, they feel like if they buddy up, they're going to get more work done. And mm-hmm. that's really directly the opposite of what actually happens. So... You know, how do you deal with uh, what we what, what we termed was the Noah's Ark syndrome? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's another depends answer. So uh, it could be legitimate where they do need help, and there could be certain tasks where they do need help, but not for the full duration. So you have to look at some of those things where it could be, I just need to get the motor up and in, and after that I'm all good. Right. Where it's... Uh, the other is, well, I'm replacing a bearing, and all of a sudden there's six guys standing around. Yeah. Well, one one guy, six flashlight holders, and one guy with a hammer. <laughs> and uh, so those types of things, that comes back to accountability of the supervisor yeah. and making sure that uh, they're following up with their people to make sure that doesn't happen. We had to break that cycle, and we actually put in a process that required the technician. So if the technician gets something that says it's a one-man job, and they go out, and they realize either for a safety reason or, like you said, it's a much larger pump motor or whatever it is, that it's not a one-man job, that they had to contact the supervisor and say, hey, look, this is not a one-man job, uh, so that, A, the supervisor can dispatch somebody to help them or decide, move on to the next job. We got other things that are, you know, a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then the feedback can go back to the planner so that in the future the planner is appropriately putting the right craft quantity on the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, so um, in closing, I think, uh, you know, don't get – hell-bent on how accurate the estimate is. The estimate is not as dramatic uh, as you may think or as everybody else may think. So there's a lot of fluctuation there between the crafts and between how complex the jobs are. Get it as accurate as you can and look for trends and make updates as appropriate. Uh, and, you know, if you're having trouble and it's a job you're not familiar with, you can also use a catalog like RS Means, right, and get a, an, an understanding of what it would take uh, for somebody from industry to do the job. Mm-hmm. From a craft quantity perspective, do your best to understand what the job is uh, and have a feedback capability in case the job is actually should have been more, more folks than, than you had planned for. Mm-hmm. For questions on this or any other topics, email us at ask at reliabilityx.com. This has been another episode of Practical Reliability brought to you by Reliability X, the DNA of success. <laughs>